0: hello and welcome to the strength to be human podcast with your host author and playwright mark anthony rossi in our fourth year we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world now without further ado here is your host Hi, folks, and welcome back to Strength to be Human. We have another wonderful interview segment. As you know, it's always a difficult thing with the schedule, but it's always a blessing once we can make it happen, especially when we have somebody that's really been contributing to the community and, and to the art world. And So we have from Canada, yes, another another wonderful person from Canada, uh, Monique Berry. It uh, looks like she has spent about 20 years uh uh, Creating magazines, I think she's done about seven of them. Uh, a few of them are still uh, current, which is uh, great. Uh, she spent a number of years as a book editor, uh, doing novels and, and poetry books, and and she's also a writer herself. Uh, she has been uh, featured in Personal Journey, A Sitter's Companion, A Quill Inquirer magazine, and in a number of others. Uh, right now, uh, she's working on uh, uh, her own novel, which is going to be similar to. Um, uh, the uh, first person, a uh, point of views that she did with her Perspective Magazine's concepts. And welcome to the show here, Monique Berry. Uh, Berry, thank you very much for being on here.
1: Well, thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure being here.
0: Before the show started, I was joking with her. I'm like, y- your bio is longer than most of my shows, so I'm going to have to shorten it, okay? <laughs> so we have time to actually talk about you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I thought here it was too short. There you go.
0: Yeah, well, sorry about that. <laughs> but you're always free to talk about it whatever else you want to talk about. I know there's a lot in there, and 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 that's and that's completely that's completely fine. I often have creative people on the show that uh, you know they're only doing a couple of things, and and I don't mean that lightly. Uh, that's just what they want to use their time for. Sure. And, and you've gone a, a lot more than most have, so that's great.
1: Okay. Well. Oh. so um, yeah. Let's talk about uh, my first my first venture in magazine publishing. All right. So that is my first magazine is Perspectives Magazine, and uh, it gives it. It's a different take on opinions. It's where inanimate objects give their Opinions of their life. Now, how that came about, I, um, I was in college, Mohawk College, learning about uh, creative writing and stuff. And one of the exercises the instructor gave was to talk about different point of view's. And he said, I want you to write a point of view on from the object, from the, from the perspective of an inanimate object. He said, Well, look around you, uh, perspective of a, a notebook, a pen, uh, you know, it could be any inanimate. I'm going, Okay. And I forgot which one I chose, but one gentleman, when he uh, said, okay, does anyone want to read what they wrote, <clears throat> they talked about one of those um, moving box, you know, where you when you move, you, you fill in a box? Yes. And <laughs> it was... Fascinating! I couldn't get over how I could I could see what the box was seeing. I could feel the objects putting, being put in it. I just was totally fascinated, and I thought, "Wow, is there a magazine out there like that?" Of course, no one had one. So well, that's where I come in. I said. People got to people have to know about this this pers- this point of view, this, this perspective is so creative. And I was in a writer writer's group at that time and I uh, I drove it past them for feedback and I didn't get one positive feedback. It was, no, no one will ever read it. No, no one will ever buy it. No, no one will ever write for it. Nah, 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 nah. Well, tell me I can't do something and I'll do it. <coughs> and, uh, so I got a few contributors, which is family and friends and that kind of thing. But, um, uh. The internet sure helped. Yeah,
0: yeah, you can get a oh whole uh, whole new audience sometimes from that, especially uh, on the take you have. It, it's it's very unique. I, I don't really know any other magazine that's doing that sort of thing.
1: That's right. <laughs> Just that's me. I had some. Oh man, that's this is my baby, and it's it's so. Um, I'll tell you one of the. Unique perspectives uh, point of view I had was a pill bottle. <laughs> and <laughs> the pill bottle was having dialogues with the other pills in the bottle. And, uh, and then there was love letters. And another unique one was uh, a tornado. Oh, man. Some of the writers out there, I tell you, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, it's just, it's, it, it, just—I don't know. The uh, like you say, there's no magazine out there like that, and I did a contest for it once. And uh, there was a local writer who went all the way with it. It had two parts to it. And she was able to uh, to f- to finish the two parts. She won the two parts. And before I published it online, I suggested going to her place. So I could tighten that up with her and show her when she were, where she went wrong, and how she could better the, the uh, submission. And I showed her most of it was, you know, of the part of grammar, mm-hmm. and it was <laughs> way too long. And when I went to her place, I showed her that. The, the edited version full of red marks. She was, she was so discouraged. And I said, no, no, no. Don't be discouraged. Listen, the, the heartbeat of the story is still there. It's a great story. It's got great potential. I'm just clearing up the, let's say, the acne kind of thing at the, at the face of this submission. It's nothing to worry about. So many people worry about perfection. And no one starts at perfection. They work at things.
0: Uh, yeah, it's definitely been a, a subject of this show for years now. I, I laugh at the idea of perfection. It's, it ruins more people than it helps.
1: It does. I'm not... It. it you know, it'd be nice to have perfect submissions. But I look at the at the at the at the heart of the submission. See, I know a lot of dyslexic people. And it bothers me when I hear, "Well, I can't write or I can't read." Yeah, so there are still ways to get your story out. You don't have to be a writer with words. you're a storyteller, and that's what writing is. telling stories. So anyway, that's the uh, that's the perspectives magazine. That's how that started. And uh, and then it went on to. Halcyon Days well that's a I get so many I received so many good manuscripts that didn't fit the guidelines and it was really hard to say no so I figured okay let's, let's work around this let's <laughs> start another publication that deals with what you got here so that's that's Hmm. I guess that's the reason why I started all these different publications. Well,
0: that's definitely a different reason. I haven't heard that before.
1: <laughs> Instead of rejecting someone, I say, well, no, it's it doesn't fit this one, but I got another magazine here that you can try your hand in. I don't like, quote, rejecting people.
0: I don't either. I remember I also run a, a literary journal, but uh, unfortunately, the... One of the fundamental rules for, for writers is they need to do some basic research. It doesn't take much time to do. It's not typically difficult. If it says it's a women's only magazine, send them some story about a male javelin thrower. You know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, it's just wasting everybody's time, and it, it's just showing that you, you don't really care. So, I mean, that, that's that's really what it is. It's 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 a I don't think people do it deliberately, uh, but it is a form of disrespect yeah. in the end.
1: Yeah, well, I in the beginning, I had a, I would pretty near accept anything just to get someone into the magazine. And then now, after all these years, I'm going, okay, time for a change. That's one of the things that uh, turns me off now when a submission comes in, is... It's got nothing to do with guidelines. See, when I see an email, <clears throat> when I see an email uh, about a submission, I, I, um, I'm pumped up. I, 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 it makes me think. Okay, this, this is going to be a good one. This is going to be a good one. They've read the magazine. They know what they're doing. And then <laughs> deflate the balloon time has nothing to do with anything and just really lets me down. So that's one of the disadvantages of uh, getting submissions from people who don't read the magazine. Yeah, that's uh, annoying. It's, it is a, it, very disrespectful, I got to say.
0: I've had a, I've had a few i had to tell a few people that unfortunately, and I don't I'm like I can't anyone else. Uh, generally, you don't like to 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 people because you you, know, you want to be the you know the the good guy or the or the or the, yeah. or the happy editor or or just uh, somebody that's helping someone else you know get their get their, their word out and and yeah you do but unfortunately they they got to be some basic guidelines for everybody's sake and, and also um. It, it's particularly painful when the work is good and it's like this is good work so you're just sending it to the wrong place but this is good work so I, it really stinks to have to do that but um, we make it oh, we, 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 we make it a habit to be very personal with our rejections we don't send people form letters so I literally tell people in person in the email you need to do the research and you stop being disrespectful this is good writing you're going, you're going to wind up never having it published if this is how you're going to continue so, get on the right path there and have a good day. So, you know, something that, that's still <laughs> encouraging, but let them also know, too, that this is, this is not the way they're going about stuff, making people upset and wasting their time. You know, sending send me a Batman story. You know, it's I'm literally a literary journal. Come on.
1: Yeah. yeah, I know. I hear you. It's uh one of the high points of running a. Literary magazine, I think for me, is being privy to that talent. It's like, no, I've never written this before, and I've never written to a magazine before. I read some of the stuff, and it's like, oh, this needs to get out into the writing world. This is beautiful. This is great. That's one of the high points of me is... is and doing a a magazine is wonderful. How about you? What do you like about doing a magazine?
0: Well, what, what I liked about it was is that
1: because
0: I've done editing for other magazines in the past, and I was just not happy the way they run. And I was really unhappy that most of the rejections that were happening wasn't really happening uh, because the the work didn't have any merit, or, or just simply stunk, it was simply done because they they never got around to reading it, so they just sent it back with a form letter, or um, they were too busy bringing in uh, you know half of the academic staff from another college and four friends and two relatives, and they ran out of room, or um, it didn't fit whatever particular bias they particularly had a slant on in that particular publication, so. And these are all unwritten things, and even after people are filing the guidelines, I've seen too much of that going on. So I'm just tired of seeing that. You know, I knew there was plenty of people that could have gotten published. So
1: yeah,
0: I, I made it a habit to to jot down those people. So when I, I gave my notice, I I contacted those people. I said, I'm creating a magazine where I, your your kind of work would fit. So if you haven't you if, if you haven't gotten that out to anyone, why don't you get over to me, that's how I started out by literally. Taken writing from magazines that just simply wasn't going to publish it because I was on the inside. I knew that their reasons were illegitimate. So I really didn't like that at all. You know, I I find it um, uh, troubling that um, an academic institution (coughs) has has now become the establishment, and, and the establishment in its own, you know, right or wrong way of doing things has now drawn the line on what they're going to take versus what they're not going to take. And unfortunately, you know, that usually excluded a lot of people. It Sometimes it yeah. excluded uh, minorities and women. Sometimes they excluded different geographical areas of the country. You know, you're, you're a rural person writing sure. about something rural. No, I can't have that. I'm a big city college magazine. Yeah, okay, that makes <laughs> sense. Thanks. So that, that sort of thing. It, it, when you're seeing the same work coming in again and again and again, coming from almost the same perspective or the same you know, a walk of life, well, to, to me, that's not literary enough. You, you should be having a, a mixture out there of things. Don't tell me that everybody is just writing from the suburbs after they went to Starbucks. It's a little a little hard to believe, you know. And if that's really if that's really the mm-hmm. angle that you want, which I don't think is an illegitimate angle, advertise it then. This is the guideline. I want I want poetry and fiction from white people that drink a lot of coffee at Starbucks. That's all we want. <laughs> Fine, then say that and get it over with then. But you know, to have that bias and not even mention it, to me, it's its its not only Latin literary, it's cowardly. So I made sure that we had some really specific guidelines, and I made sure that we followed them, and I made sure that you know we, we do a good job on, on bringing all kinds of walks of life and, and different viewpoints. And it doesn't even matter if I agree with the viewpoints, and I tell people I don't need to agree with them. I don't care, as long as they're not... Profane or or blasphemous or or, or just simply, you know, uh, full of violence and hatred. I I mean, uh, talk about whatever you want to talk about. Just make sure it's artistic. And that's it. So that's the major reason why I I created it, because uh, I didn't like uh, the reasons why people were being rejected. To me, those are not legitimate reasons. Hmm.
1: Okay. Well, Well, feedback, feedback. I have written for several publications that yeah, just give form letters, and it's yeah, but it brings out the 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 child behavior in me. But why? But why? But why? I am a publisher who <clears throat> gives the writer. The why. Answers the why. Why didn't this fit? I'll tell you why. Here's why. Uh, Sometimes I will uh, highlight the section in the guidelines. This is why. This is why you didn't follow it. Or if it is really, really, really good, I will help the author tailor it. I will tailor her, it. Okay. Here's some questions you can answer in the in your in your manuscript. Here's uh here's the part of the guidelines that you should answer and I'll help you with it. I just won't reject it because I will help you I will help tailor it to fi- to fit my guidelines. I uh I don't know of many publishers who do that. There's probably some out there, but I like doing that.
0: Yeah, I don't know too many that do that either. I mean, uh, I for my own staff, I the first thing I tell them is is that you have to respond to somebody if you reject them. Is we don't use form letters. I don't even have such a thing. So I know I, I tell them you, what do you want to say. You feel that's worthy to there say, and uh, it could be a couple <coughs> sentences or a paragraph, whatever. There's no length to say something that's, that's useful for them about why this didn't work out for us. And that, that's, that's really all we want. Sometimes, like I have a couple of editors that they will actually, you know, say, you know, this line didn't work or you, you lost me over in this paragraph over here or, you know, it was unclear what sure. the direction this piece of fiction was going. Maybe, and, and we welcome people back if they could fix things and, and I don't have a problem with that. To me, a, a no now doesn't mean a no forever.
1: Oh, super! I <laughs> love that. No, now doesn't mean no forever.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things we believe in. And also, I'm a, I'm a, oh. I'm a freak about titles. I'm, I'm so obsessive with them <laughs> that if somebody gives me a good piece of work with a crappy title, I literally send them back and say, if you can't come up with a better title, there's no way I'm publishing <laughs> this. It's just too bland. Or, you know, we we get the yeah. uh, we get the cliches. You know, night, day. Girl, I mean, you gotta be kidding me here. Come on now. So I tell people, I go, it's obvious that you spend all your work on writing something that's interesting and creative and sound, and then you you spend five seconds on the title and you threw it out there. I go, you can't do that. If it doesn't have the same merit, doesn't have the same artistic value, doesn't have the same attention, then you, you you're really betraying yourself and you're hurting all your efforts. Um, most of the times, people. We'll come back, uh, give them that some thought, and come back with a wonderful title, and we accept it. So I leave that open. But I'm surprised at how many people like just don't come back. They don't know. They get aggrieved by that. I'm not nasty about <laughs> it. I just tell them the truth. This title is absolutely horrible, or this title is vague. <laughs> uh, uh, usually what I say is this title is unpoetic because it is. It's like, what? The title of your poem is Laundry Mad? Are you kidding me? Yeah, so, okay yeah.
1: That makes me want to look over all the titles I've accepted.
0: Thank you very much. Well I I have a, I have a couple of main reasons for that. The first reason is, is I think that, particularly for poems, more than any other form of writing, uh, the, the title tends to be the, the main marketing thing out there. It, it's the, the draws people's attention more than mm-hmm. anything else. So to have it bland like that, are you putting in the right mindset for somebody having something that bland laundromat what could this be about a laundromat yeah i mean skip over (laughs) to something else i mean really would you rather read the the title of laundromat or would you rather read the title of the tiger killed my sister or something you know something that sounds like it could be interesting so that's that's part of the reason and the other part of the reason is, is because i refuse to publish something where the title is exactly something else I published, whether it's a year ago or three years ago, whatever. It should be something different all the time, in my opinion. And also the, the structure of the, uh, the website I have, because I have an international literary journal that's online. It's not, it's not print. Um, it's, it's critical that something is different because the system can't take somebody's title when it knew it, it was a title before without jamming up my system. So I have a technical reason for it, just as much as a creative one. I, I can't do that, you know, unless you would unless you were to call your poem Night 2, you know, because I already did a poem named <laughs> Night. But again, it, what the hell would that make any sense? So it would be good for the computer, but it's not good for the reader or the, or the creator. So those are, the, those are the, the many reasons why. But, you know, I, I find... Every time that somebody is willing to resubmit that, they always come up with a title that makes sense and that's good. So it always tells you they just didn't spend any time on it. But when somebody brought that to their attention, they're like, yeah, you're right. And they came up with something. So I'm always happy with what they come up with it later on. And it's always something that's wonderful. I'm like, wish you could have came up with that before, but okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we have to learn. But... um. Technical reasons. That's that's interesting.
0: Wow. Yeah, because what well, what happens is, hmm. is what happens is, is that when you get published by us, the poem's title is part encapsulated in the address that now can be used as a link for you to tell other people. Hey, hey, Aunt May, my uh, okay, yeah, my yeah. my poem, the bluebird. It's published on this link here. hit this and you can go right to the magazine and check it out. So that's part of the reason it it'll encapsulate the title
1: okay and, yeah.
0: and part of the date, like part of the year and part of the month in in that along with you know the name of my cool. magazine aerial chart. so if you try to blog it up with a whole bunch of titles that are similar, it becomes it becomes an issue. And I, I didn't want that to happen. Because oh. Early on, I discovered that I'm like, oh no, I can't have that. So, and I, before I even started the magazine, I was into the having crappy titles. It was I used to be a pet peeve of mine, even when I was editor before I had this magazine. <laughs> I just didn't like it. I'm like, come on, now, you got to do something better than that. But when I discovered I had that problem as well, I'm like, yeah, I really need to make sure that you know I enforce that. You know, I even wrote an a essay on on the subject, and I even did a show that part of the show was about, you know, titles. Okay. Yeah, I did a composition of poem show one time, <laughs> and, and part of the composition of poem show was, you know, titles. And I also reminded people, too, and this is how people came around, when people didn't give me much of a heart hassle, when I reminded them, listen, most of the places you go, they're giving you those stupid form letters. How many times do you think you're going to get a form letter because you had a crappy title, but they're never going to tell you? So you're hurting yourself all the way around.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Because you're over there thinking, oh, something's wrong with my poem, blah, 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 blah. And it turns out there's nothing wrong with the work. It's just the, <laughs> the darn title. Because I'm sure there's other editors out there, even if they're too lazy to write you, are looking at that <laughs> going, Pfft. I've seen like 10 poems already about the forest. I mean, come on.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Because you do. You see hundreds there eventually. I mean, I probably read like... Well, yeah. At least three thousand pieces of work a year, easily. So you're gonna see a lot of stuff that's, you know, that's that's duplicate or, or something that that's really close to it. And so you just try to remind, well, you try to remind people that's not helpful.
1: That's I think that that's one of the reasons I added a new guideline into um, uh, Halcyon Days is. Poetry. And I'm getting, I'm going to get more specific with poetry. And the one thing I rather now in poetry is active poetry. I'll explain that. I once I had an idea, and I I color coded all the words in a specific poem. I color coded nouns with blue highlights, verbs green highlights, (laughs) adjectives red highlights, that kind of thing. And I wanted to see what color the poem was, and a lot of them turned out to be blue, blue poems. A lot of nouns. And to me, it's kind of boring. It's a it's a it's a poem of facts, not about emotion. It it has to move me literally. And so I like a lot of verbs. In poetry. It has to. There you go. It has to move me. And. I looked through. A lot of my magazines. My archives. And I'm going okay. I accepted this. It was. It was good. It was nice. But now I want to go. Now that I've. Now that I've got all this experience I want to go a lot more focused I want like I said things that move me Halcyon days is is nothing but I want it promotes peace and now it's going to promote peace and I just I can't describe it any other way. Things that move me. Well, that's part of the reason I started Founders' Favorites. Founders' Favorites has emotional content. Things that move me. Like uh, Bruce was saying, a phrase, a line, a subject matter. And that's not always peaceful. Yeah. Yeah. But it moves me. It, it was it had it brought brought my emotions to the to the forefront, and so that has different subjects, but the one thing it has is emotional content. But um, yeah, that's what I like to see in in poems now. Something that will move me. Something with with action, and um, there was one, I think the first, oh, yeah, okay, I want to talk about that. Thank you very much. Um, so, so how it got started in Halcyon, which turned to Halcyon Days. Halcyon, I was in a library and I was reading just picked up a a random book and flipped through it. And I came across a poem called Psalm P S A L M Psalm to My Beloved. And I just that brought such a peace. In my spirit, my soul, that I said, that's it. I'm gonna have a magazine <laughs> filled with stuff like that. That's where that's where my inspiration comes. It could come from anywhere. It came from perspectives came from a, from a a class assignment. Halcyon came from a, a poem in a library out of town. I love inspiration and where things come from. I just love the origins of things. Because one of the lines in here, it's like, okay, the first line of Psalm to my beloved says, Lo, I have opened unto you the wide gates of my being. Like right there, the mind's eye was going Crazy. What a beginning line. I have opened to you the wide gates of my being. Oh my gosh. And I put that on, I put that poem on on my, uh, as an example on Halcyon days. Another hand, another, another line is, your hands are filled with peace. As the noontide is filled with light. About your head is bound the eternal quiet of the stars. Oh my gosh. Oh man That's the kind of poems I like.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful and it's and it's and it's powerful, but I, I think
1: oh.
0: I think the important thing about that kind of, of writing, and you don't often see it enough, is because People don't often live that way anymore. It's one of the problems that folks have, and, and sometimes even writers have. And I often use the show or even the magazine as a way to counsel people to remind them that, listen, if you want to be a writer, if you want to be doing this, you have to set yourself apart from others. And those others, they're acting the way too many people act in modern society, that they're, they're shut off from themselves. They're shut off from some society. Uh, everybody is walking around distrustful and and, and paranoid, and and they believe uh, a, a nasty quip is, is, is a conversational piece. And, and having that sort of uncivil uh, society and, and, and behavior, or even if you want to call it communication, that drifts into to a lot of writing, and I have to reject some people just because the content of what they have to say is just simply uh, beyond depressing. It's simply uh, not, not, u- yeah. not useful. It's like, I could listen to that on, on the news or on or, or one of those cable shows. <laughs> I don't need you writing about that. I need you to do something that's, that's contrary. That reminds people that, you know, um, the world will only uh, improve when people improve.
1: Oh, exactly. Yes. Well, that's, That's the biggest compliment. One of the biggest compliments I get is, oh, it's so refreshing to see peaceful content. And I go, I know. It's hard to find out there.
0: It's not easy. It's not even easy to advertise. I refuse to put down something that specific in my guidelines because I know all I'm going to get is poems about birds in the forest, or, you know, kids when they grew up or, you know, playing on the school ground or something like that. And it won't even be a, a good piece of work. It'll be something that's clumsy and clunky and, and, and goes nowhere. But, but Mark, I, this was something positive. Yeah, it is. But, unfortunately, it's, it's written horribly. So, sometimes hmm. people mix up the peaceful and the positive with, uh, you know, not being artistic or, or not doing their best foot out or, you know. I, one lady laughed at me. She goes, why does it only seem like the dark writing is the best? I go, well, it's not because the dark writing is the best. It's because the writer who's writing things about dark things, they're putting in the work. They're putting in the time. That's something that they feel so strong about, they're so passionate about, that it winds up being a, a good piece of art. It might not be something that's going to compel you to jump up and down on the hill or something, but nevertheless... I'm going to publish something like that because it's art. It's real. It makes people think. It makes them uh, feel, even if it might not be the most positive thing. I'd love to see something like that in the positive light, but it has to have the same kind of quality. It has to have the same kind of depth and work in it. You know, I don't know why people think that you know uh, something good and positive has to be lazy. It, to me, they're, 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 they're not in the same room. <laughs> that, that's a problem.
1: I know. Why Why is peaceful things so boring? Yeah, it doesn't
0: have to be people. that way. Exactly. I had some girls, she sent me a, a short fiction piece and all it was about was her family liking the, the car that they had and they were driving down the highway on a wonderful family trip. And that was literally the story and how it ended. Nothing like an argument in the story or some kind of tension or some <laughs> mission that we're going to check out or something or you know they were taking somebody out of the house finally cuz they've been bedridden for 2 years with cancer or something nothing <laughs> not this, just that i'm like and i had to tell the person what is this supposed to be cuz you could just tell this you know at the at the the coffee shop but if you're going to write something it has to be more <laughs> it has to be more than this this can't be it yeah they never they never wrote me back i don't know they probably kept trying to send the same story to everybody but to me that's well, that there you go. that's that's where you take something That might be very meaningful to that person. I'm I'm sure it was, and I'm not trying to mock it, but I'm trying to say that it has no connection value. What am I going to connect with? Yeah, we've all taken a trip on an old car with a family somewhere. But what else do you (laughs) have beyond that? I get it, yeah. Yeah, that's the problem with people who write things that are positive and that are peaceful. They're not doing enough inner exploration. They're not telling you why this is something good I honestly think that there should be some contrast in there why are you so damn happy about today being so wonderful well because uh, uh, last week I almost found for bankruptcy but I, I, we finally got a solution on how to get ourselves out of that so I'm super happy today you know something along that line you, you have to explain you know in my opinion why you're happy because otherwise if you're happy you're either um, you know a, a mindless gnome or you're, you're out of your mind on drugs or alcohol or, or something else is wrong with you here because there's a billion reasons why somebody can be unhappy. Sure, but I think that if there's a million reasons why somebody can be unhappy, then there should be a million reasons why somebody is happy. And are you owe oh, the explanation to that, some background to it, something to let somebody hang on to. Otherwise, it's just a you know a piece of, a piece of propaganda. Use my toothpaste and you'll get girlfriends. You know. <laughs>
1: Oh yes, thank you. That's refreshing to hear someone else say that. Exactly.
0: I've said it on the show yes. a couple of times. I, 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 sometimes people they send me emails and they get mad about that. You anti-positive? No, I'm anti anything. I just want <laughs> I want art. It has to make some sense. And your first duty, besides it, you know, making some sense is, you need to be able to establish some way to make a connection with the audience. You know. And and I'm sorry to say that the people who write darker, more, um, I guess you could say, cynical work, as long as it's written well and it's artistic, guess what? They're going to make a connection. Uh, Do I believe that those are the best connections to make out there in the world? No. I I wish there was less of those. But wishing the way I want the world is not the way to make the world change. Connection. Yeah. It's really necessary. So I'm like... You want to write something that's positive and meaningful and has some weight, has some gravity? Go look at those dark people that wrote that dark stuff and figure out how you could do that in a positive way cuz you'll see things oh, wow. you'll see things in that work that still ring true. Just because it's dark doesn't mean it's wrong. Just because it's dark doesn't mean it's evil. Just because it's talking about, you know, a, a dimly lit day doesn't mean that there's something not beautiful going on. It's just that they're committed to it, and you are not committed to what you're talking about. It's the difference, I feel, between selling a product that you know and you tested and you use and you love, and one you're just doing because that's your job to do it. If you're not committed to that piece of writing, no matter what angle you're going on it, you're not going to be able to sell it. And part of uh, audience reading it is is you're selling it. Is it going to connect or not? I mean, to me, I, I think that's the job of the writer to do that. And too many people who want to write all these happy-go-lucky things don't want to do this in any kind of way that that makes sense, you know. I, I get a lot of religious poems. I almost, almost have to turn almost all of them down because they mm-hmm. they become propaganda, they become preachy, and they forget the art, and mm-hmm. they don't make a connection, okay? Don't. But the funny thing is this. If you read the Bible, let, let's say we're talking about Christianity here. If you read mm-hmm. the Bible, guess what? You get in the Bible what they call parables or even what they call st- yeah. stories. Things mm-hmm. that give enough of a background for you to make the connection to the message that is being re- reiterated by either a disciple or a Messiah or a saint or whoever you want to mm-hmm. call this person. They're giving you enough information for you to make that connection. I did this because of that. This is going to work because of that. That's how that sort of thing is sold, and that's how that at least makes some sense. People can read that and walk away with something that maybe they can hang on to. No one's going to hang on to uh, the blue bird took a bath and was laughing at the cat who can't catch it and eat it now. And the sun is out, and wow, what a great day the, the end. I mean, the, there's no, there's no connection there. There's nothing going on. So, and the reason why is because there's been so much emphasis on the, uh, what they call in, the, in Hollywood, you know, the kill shots or or, or, the, or or the money shots that you forget that this still needs to be put in context. Why is the bird self-satisfied? Because it flew hmm. away from the, the cat that almost caught it. And now it's up in the tree and it knows the cat can't do anything because even the cat climbs a tree, it'll just fly away. So it's always going to win, and that's why it's self-satisfying. It's a story of victory. It's a story of escaping death. It's a story of making fun of the predator because you're ahead of the predator, with the understanding still that if you're not aware of your surroundings, you're going to get eaten. So you can make something out of something like that that's positive, but you have to give it context. You have to give it some kind of a storyline and i feel if you're going to make something positive you have to have contrast with something negative because the only way you could really feel good about a day that's good is when you when you compare it to all the crappy days you had then you know a day <laughs> day is good and you know how do you know how do you know love is grand because you you, you remember when somebody hated you for oh, whatever yeah. good or bad reason you know uh, because you're like yeah i remember that so people forget that they they seem to yeah. they seem to run a right in this weird universe where only positive exists, but negative is not. And I tell people all the time, I don't care what, mm. what, what religion you have, there's a yin and the yang out there, and there's a god and there's a devil, okay? So you can't yeah. write about God without worrying about the guy around the corner that wants to knock you down, you know? and Why do you have appreciation of something positive? Because you have experienced the negative. And I, I tell people yeah. all the time, I don't want to sound like a country song, but...
1: Sometimes the only, the
0: only way you're gonna get to heaven is you have to go through hell.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Country song. Yeah, but that's
0: that's the, that's the that's the problem uh, on on those things that are positive. It's not because me or any other editors are against that. We think it's sexy to be dark. No, I think it's sexy to be positive. But I I need the art. I need the story. I need the contrast. I need the connection. And more importantly, why is it the people writing that dark stuff, why are they more passionate about what they're saying than you are, and you're supposed to be Mr. Positive? Why are you not so damn positive? Why are you not so passionate? If you can't be positive about something that's positive, now am I not sold, but now I'm not even believing that this is real. I'm believing that this is just something off your cuff to to make you feel good, but to me, you're not exploring, you're not taking anything out of yourself at all, and, and therefore it's no longer art. It's it's like i said no better than a a two-paste two commercial not even a good one <laughs> yeah
1: well those are strong but good opinions
0: that's how I, that's how i view it that's from. how yeah that's how i view it as an editor and that's how i, I try to respond back to people yeah. well, in the in the magazine and you know, of course in in the show as well i want to see all the interesting wonderful bright positive things but you got to mm-hmm. be an artist first. That's why I always tell almost all these religious writers I've had to reject. I said, i got no problem with what you're talking about here, but you still need to be a poet first. Right now, you you sound more like a prophet. Mm-hmm. I don't need any prophets. This is a literary magazine, not a prophet magazine. So I need you to be a poet <laughs> first. So you've got to be an artist before you're going to be a religious person first. And unfortunately, that seems to be an issue with people like that. And that's why... Those type of poems, uh, those kind sure. of writings don't really do very well because they don't make a connection. Because, first of all, there's not enough of a backstory for somebody to make a connection, not enough context. And second mm-hmm. of all, you, you can't ramble off a couple of verses and think that, you know, whatever verses is from the Quran, the Bible, Bag of Gita or whatever holy book you're talking about. And someone's gonna immediately reference that. Oh yeah, I remember. I remember. I remember when they talked about that Hindu voice when I was three years old. No, no, they don't even know who you're talking about. So the, the more, yeah. the more you want to bring something like that into the picture, the more you have an obligation to explain and, and, and to give background and to give context mm. and to make a, a storyline that makes sense. It's your artist's responsibility. And in all of that, if you can somehow still get a message in. Hey, that's cool. That's great. I got no problem with that at all. But you have to be an artist first, and if you can't be an artist first, everything fails.
1: Oh, well, geez. See, this is why we we should have a we should have a, um a publisher Zoom meeting. <laughs> what everyone likes and why they like it, why they don't like
0: it. Well, I've I participated a few times in the past with some editors on a private basis, but unfortunately it doesn't last long because too many of them uh, are not interested in being editors. They just want the title. They don't want to respond back to people in any, in any kind of constructive way. I go, how are you an editor if you're not even teaching somebody how to be a better <laughs> yeah. writer? That's the first thing. And the second thing is, you know, they, they, have, they have too many uh, restrictions. Uh, you know, I, I want to have this month in June about – well, squirrels who um, eat candy, yeah. and then you know next month we'll do aliens that want to kidnap people. you know and mm. to me, it's gimmicky, but yeah, okay, fine. Uh, and, and then of course uh, the, the the biggest issue uh, of course, is if they're not wanting to be editors, what's the whole point of their venture? Because part of your <laughs> part of your your editing job, I feel, is not just to be some illuminated adjudicator. You have to actually help somebody you're reading something and you don't like it because the third line stinks, send it back, send it back. This third line stinks. It's messing up everything. Why don't you go back and revert this then Come back to us and see what we got. Have a good day. Bye-bye. That's all you got to do. I don't know why that's difficult. I I find it, uh, to me, disingenuous, if not dishonest, to tell people, even in form letters, Um, yeah, we're so, we're so darn busy and, uh, you know, Does't so not really reflection in your work. I'm like, really, why take this job on? Why create the magazine? Why do any of this stuff if you're so darn busy? Just don't do it then. Yeah. I don't get it. I mean I, I, what's the whole point here? you know right and they they use they use terms I find very disrespectful, like a slush pile. no, I, I get seventy oh, yeah. if I get seventy five emails with all these different writings from people from around the world, it's not a slush pile. It's called, my magazine is actually bringing some people on board here and hopefully we can get some people to, to, to join our family and see what we got here. Oh, yeah. Damn, sludge pile. What the hell is that supposed to be about? And you, and you wonder why people, uh, they have such a negative opinion about editors, about magazines, about their chances, you know, all of that, you know, or, or, or their guidelines. Um, You know, we only accept like 2% of what we get, but good luck. Really, that, that's that's a great way to get people to come on board. <laughs> yeah, thanks. How, how's that? Po- how's that possible? The only except two percent. When I make it an effort to to bring people on board that have good work, and we 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 often do forty percent at least. I've had, I've had a few months where it's been higher than that, and I've had a few months where it was lower than that. But generally speaking, mm-hmm. you know, like four out of the ten things that people send me is going to get published. So how, how's that possible? I I don't get that. So it, yeah. this is why it's hard to have these kind of editor because you have editors that that want to care about what they're doing, that they want to make a difference, and they want to help writers as well. And that's, to me, that's a, a difficult thing. So you know you you'll, you'll get them drop out of the meeting, or they'll get mad at you, or I don't have time. I don't <laughs> have, Mark, I don't have time for that. I'm like, listen, I'm not telling you, because we don't do that either. I'm not telling you if someone sends you six poems, and you hate them all. That you're supposed to be giving them six rejection responses. I'm not saying that. I, I agree that would be a little, little, little taxing on somebody's time, but you ought to be able to t- pick one out though and say, "Listen, I'm not happy with any of these poems, but in this particular one, here's the issue." And and I and in many cases some of the issues on that poems they're probably similar to the other ones anyway. But you're giving them some instruction. Maybe if you can try to give them a little hope on on, on something that they can write on. You don't want to just dash in people's you know, entire, entire prospects (laughs) And, and that's it. It's not that difficult to do. Most people, they come back again and like, Hey, I took that and used it. Sometimes they don't, but that to me, it makes the magazine stand out. And that to me, it makes it worthwhile to, you know, to, to be in existence in the first place, because I don't see what the existence is. Then I sit around with a title. I don't do anything, but send out a form letter that I wrote three months ago, a boilerplate that I ripped off some other internet site, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, I'm not doing that, doing anything helpful because guess what? I don't even respond to the people that I accept. I, I've seen magazines that they'll accept you, they won't even tell you that they like the poem. They yeah, it's gonna get published in September. Have a good day. So it's uh, to me it, when you get accepted, it, it's almost as bad as when you get rejected. I mean, you get nothing. <laughs> to me, it's just ridiculous. So it's hard to have conversations with other editors about that because they have to, to me, they have to care more than they do. And unfortunately, they don't. And sometimes I'm forced to, you know, my magazine and articles sometimes or even in in these shows is I got to call them out because I'm not happy with that. And I, I can't not call them out because the truth is, you know, another controversial subject, the truth in art is the very reason I started the magazine is because of this kind of crappy behavior. so to me to, to try to bury that to be polite with people to me uh, in these in these instances being polite is simply lying then. I, I can't sit around there with six editors and they're all doing the crap that I hate. These are the people I would never even work for anymore, but I'm gonna have I'm going to sit down with them like they're my peers. No, they're not my peers they're, they're people that to me I, they're, they're rooting the art and they're not helping anybody.
1: Well, for all the writers out there, you have found a helpful editor and publisher who wants to help, who wants to get your, wants to help get you validated, I guess, for acceptances as well, validation.
0: I, I... I hope as the time goes by I found a few more and eventually I'm going to try to form up something. I tried to create something but it, it didn't people just wouldn't respond but I still think it's a a, a good idea. I wanted to create a, a a sort of network of of journals that would sign on board that would simply trade the poems that they didn't feel fit with somebody else. So meaning that you would get something from somebody in your network that hey listen this didn't fit with us we didn't find anything wrong with it in terms of the, the writing, it just didn't fit what we wanted to do. Maybe maybe you could check it out and see if maybe you might want to publish it. I think it would increase a person's chances if they got their stuff circulated for a couple magazines, you know, that would be in that side of a network. As long as there wasn't anything grammatically wrong with it, as long as there wasn't anything that was simply content completely unfriendly or something, it, it could be a worthwhile idea. But I never really got much of a, a take on that. I talked to other editors about it, and they're like, I already got too much work to do. What do I want, I want more.
1: That's fantastic idea. I
0: don't think it's too bad of an idea, but it, it will take a, take a couple of places <laughs> for it to, you know, have a merit. Probably like four or five places or something where it would make some sense. But it could increase a person's chances from getting published because, you know, I also reject work that's artistically sound. It's just, I just can't, I just can't get my head. On my heart around what they're trying to say, what they're trying to do, I and mean, I just don't feel that it it fits or, or makes a lot of sense to me. Sometimes it's a little graphic too. I mean, I, I've, I, even though it's in my guidelines, please, I'm not against mm-hmm. I'm not against sex stuff, but don't be graphic about it because we won't publish that. I have a, a a good majority of the of the people that um, that read my magazine on regular basis of women, and they, they won't they won't stand for that at all. And I don't blame them because you know it's it's a little too much. You know, you could have something that's slightly erotic, and that, that's fine. But, you know, if you get into too many details, that's that's a little too much. Uh, but who knows? Another magazine might be okay with that. Yeah. And then that's okay. It doesn't, doesn't mean that they're great and I'm bad or vice uh, versa, versa. But, you know, sometimes you got to tell somebody, hey, that's a, that's a little bit too much. But, um, yeah, I... I uh, I still, I still had the idea for the last couple of years, and I think eventually it, it, it could, it could work. You just got to get people that really want to, you know, give it, a, give it a moment to, to see, you know, because uh, not everything I reject is not publishable. I'm some, I'm sure some of it is. It's just not with me.
1: Of course, it's like there, there, there are general physicians, and then they send you to a specialist.
0: Yeah, I guess that's one way to, 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 to look at it. You know, those it's not those are not the easiest not rejections. Those are not the easy rejections either, because I have to still say something. I have to say something. I'm sorry. that's it's good work. It just doesn't really fit what I'm trying to get done here. And it's just, you know, it's, sometimes it's just it's too out there. You know, and, and that's fine. But uh, and you hope that you know they're gonna do well with it somewhere else. But it's hard to know because, you know, the chances are likely they're gonna get rejection letters. Um, that are gonna be the form letters, and they'll never really know
1: well, you're not going to believe this, but this is something I wanted to do in the new year. It's become kind of a mm, a submission whisperer or consultant, or I would have to figure out the title for that one. But, yeah, um, sending a piece that has always been rejected and I will help you find the market for it.
0: Well, it's not a bad idea. I think the only problem I would have if I was the person who wanted to do that is that my, my biggest concern would be um, to somehow manage the person's expectations because if it's done on a volunteer basis, that might be a little easier but if it's done on any kind of monetary basis, people expect results and that's not always going to be possible to do because you really can't guarantee, even if you help a person spruce up their work to be stronger, that it's still going to get accepted. Uh, the way the uh, literary and academic and even the market world is, it, 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 there's, there's, well, there's no guarantee to that. And they they might not say, well, gee, I'm still getting rejected. And all you could do is say, mm. yeah, but you have better work now. <laughs> but it's not, <laughs> not much of a consolation, you know. <laughs> right. There are people out there right now. Because if you know anything about oh, yeah. su- submitting like a novel to a, a, a an established uh, pub- publisher, you really need an agent in most of the cases. So the query letter, yeah. the query letter for uh, an agent has to be go- so good and, and, and precise and, and interesting that if you fail to do that, you, you're just not going to get your book published. It's just that rough out there. They actually have people out there. They charge five hundred to a thousand dollars to write one for you. And many of them are ex-agents, so this is the way they make additional income, you know? Hmm. And you'll uh, you, you you'll have testimonies from people that said, yeah, this worked for me. But you can imagine how many people it didn't work for because, you know, hmm. the okay. the book might not be that interesting, no matter how yeah. great the curry letter is. Because guess what? They might get an invitation from the agent with their curry letter to read the book, and then they come back and say, hey, I loved your curate letter, but your book sucks. Mm because the the person isn't fixing the book. It's just fixing the marketing letter to get them into the agent's door. So there's there's no, no, and and that's the problem I I have with all of that sort of stuff is that it's extremely difficult to manage people's expectations. I I, I had a a couple, i have taken a couple of assignments now and then where people wanted to pay me a few dollars to edit something that was really long and I'll do it because I'm really against, Mm. I'm really against editors that charge an exorbitant amount of money and don't do much anyway. But the first thing I do, and, and I've done before, and I, I do them now and then, is I immediately manage their expectations. Listen, this is simply about me doing a couple rounds of proofreading and, and some line-by-line editing, yeah. and that's it. I'm not here to tell you how great and, or not great this story is, and, and I don't have an idea what market it could be, and all that stuff you still need to figure out. I'm just simply making it the best that you've given me, and that's it. I can't, I can't increase your talent. I certainly can't in- increase your your marketability. But what I can't okay. what, I, what I can say is your marketability is zero if you got ten thousand typos and you you got grammar errors that look like you didn't graduate from high school. Okay, then, then you you will have no <laughs> you will have no market. I can tell you that. But the, other than that, no, I can't go beyond that. <laughs> if you can manage that and people are still willing to accept the job, and you're not gonna have people complain. It's when people don't manage that and and give people. By accident because I don't think people do this on purpose but they uh, accidentally give them the illusion that the the elevation in, in their work is now gonna like you know exponentially increase their chances of being published it, it could cre- increase their chances of being published but you don't know how much and unfortunately course, yeah. they they usually connect that to you know and then the next thing you know you, you be. I had some people in that business they got them they pulled out because they're like they, they bashing them on the internet yeah i gave that person three hundred dollars and still got stuff rejected and i hate them blah 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 you know oh. yeah, that's the kind of stuff you got to live with then because you know it's on the internet yeah. for the rest of your life yeah you know so that would be the first thing i would do is is mm. is, is to make sure that you manage that and make sure that that is literally in writing and concrete almost like a, some kind of a semi-contract Listen, this is no guarantee of your acceptability. Yes. This is no guarantee of your marketability. Of course. This is not. no guarantee of your talent. You know, I'm gonna give you my experience to improve your your concept and in, in your writing, and then after that, you got to figure out what to do. And have a good day. Bye. You know, I, t- I take I take PayPal, Venmo, and Visa. You know, whatever. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying that that's that's what has to get done because the people who don't do that, they open themselves up for all kinds of, you know, um amateurish nonsense that that doesn't help and in some cases sometimes I know a, a guy that did this and he told me he did this I, I never had this happen to me but it happened to him where he literally didn't even accept the work he literally had to tell the person listen I can't even take in good conscience your money because this is work is that bad wow. yeah because he said that even after he proofreaded and and and, and did it edit it's still it's still horrible it's still horrible so and literally, that's literally what he did. He said, "That's another way for me to avoid all kinds of weird stuff." It's like this person has no business being a writer. They they need to, you know, do something else with their life, or maybe maybe take a couple <laughs> yeah. thousand creative writing courses or something. I don't know, <laughs> but you know, and that's a good way to be honest as well. But um, and I'm not suggesting that that's the way to go. But again, <laughs> again, whenever you do something like that, that has to be in the back of your mind to manage that, because if you don't manage that. You, you'll get yourself a bit in the butt for trying to do the right thing by pe- okay, some
1: things I never thought of yeah, yeah. By, thank
0: you yeah by trying to do the right thing mm-hmm. and then you wind up even by free I mean I uh, I had I've had people uh, complain about beta readers and I, I tell people I go let me tell you something you don't have any right to complain about any beta reader beta reader does this work for free okay free yeah. so I I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not suggesting that free means that it's crap. What I mean is that the person is using their off time to read your book or article, whatever it is, and they're going to tell you a couple of things they catch now and then. OK, great. And maybe a few sure. things I think that you can like work on and that's it. They're not going to catch everything. It's, it's not really their job to do so. you got to pay somebody possibly to do that. And even that's not going to be a guarantee. I go, so bashing someone like that is, is, is simply wrong and, and you don't help the, the world at all. You know, if you want something more, then you're going to have to put up something more. Otherwise, just live with whatever they did or do what other people do with the understanding that the beta reader might not catch anything. Maybe you have a second beta reader come in. They might catch some other stuff. Yeah. You know? Or, yeah. or who's to say you can't catch some stuff? I, I know myself. I do a lot of my own uh, proofreading and editing. It's not perfect, but if I put down yeah. something for a couple of weeks, you wouldn't believe the stuff you still find and you can improve on and whatever. Yeah. You know, so you could also be part of that mix—a couple beta readers, maybe a friend. You do a little bit yourself. All together, you might be able to really, uh, you know, bring something up to up to snuff without even having to hire somebody. But sometimes that that's that's a necessity. It's just that I've railed against it on shows and even in articles because there's too many people that it's a ripoff. I mean, you, you you're giving somebody a thousand dollars to do a ninety thousand. A word, a manuscript, and all they simply did was they ran it through a word checker and and Grammarly, and they gave it back to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could have done that yourself for free, you know. <laughs> yeah. But he got a thousand dollars of your money, and, and, and can legally say, "Well, I there's nothing in here about how I can do this. This is what you wanted, so I gave that to you."
1: Oh man, what a mind map.
0: Yeah, yeah, that it, it happens. That's why it's important to get references from people. It's important to. To make sure that you've dictate the language that's necessary for the job you want. Hey, I'm looking for two rounds of proofreading. I'm looking for line by line editing, and if you got sure. a couple suggestions on a, a, a hole in the plot, I'd like to hear about that. Here's this is what I'm willing to pay for you. Can you accept that? And can you get this to me in 35 days or whatever? You know that that sort of thing. You have to literally know what you want and what you expect from them. And when you put that kind of thing in. You know, in writing, and you know, they they sign the dotted line, so to speak. That's what you're gonna get. Then they're not gonna be uh, so willing to be, um, you know, um, crooked about it. And, and in many cases, uh, people now use this concept called milestones, where they literally say, um, "I'm gonna give you $600, and I have a 90,000 uh, word manuscript, and uh, I'm gonna give you $200 for every." 30,000 words that you do, and I'll be able to check your progress, the quality that you're doing to me, and I'll know if I can abandon this project because you're a fraud or not. At least I'm only going to lose $200 instead of $600. That's what people are also doing now, too, this milestone thing where it allows them to... Wow. Yeah, it's it's, hmm. it's similar, similar to the construction contracts where they have what they call performance clauses. If you're not at a certain point which what they expect you to be, they can take money away from the, the overall bid that you put in. So companies tend to make sure they're on target on, on time and don't play around because, you know, they, they can't afford that. And you know, so that's how they've got a lot of things to stay on course, stay on budget. And that's just no, okay. another way, another way of doing that as well. It's a, it's a popular way of doing things. You just simply, you just simply draw it up as a simple contract, but bullet points of the things that, you know you're going to provide in, in what you expect from them and, and that that that's how it works and they won't go to the next milestone unless they're happy about what you're doing and at that point you have the you have all the opportunity in the world to fulfill that with that first milestone by all the things that you say hey i found this over here you know and and you're you're not correcting it sight unseen oftentimes you're you're using the um the markup language mode of uh, of word or other um literary programs that literally can show the person here's where your word was and then on the right now is here's where the correct word is here's where the right spelling is here's where your whole of your plot is so you literally give them something back now that's all marked up like in red like they traditionally do on a regular piece of paper but on the computer you give them back a file that's marked up that way so they see their mistakes they see see. and they see your work and that's the two things they see their mistakes they see your work nobody can complain in 30,000, words. I found like, you know, 25 errors and I'm not too sure Mm, about this, this dialogue over here. Here's a couple of grammatical situations and, you know, maybe we should tighten this thing over here and blah, blah, blah.
1: You know? Yeah. I like doing things via word on uh, comment section on word. I love it. Yeah. it, It helps if people want to, um,
0: want to use that and, and also want to give evidence to their, um, to the work they're providing even if it's free work it's it's helpful to have because it it points out to the mistakes that oftentimes when you see later on when you start writing on something else you remember that oh i don't want to do that i remember that oh i don't want to see that in red oh so it, it, <laughs> it, it helps remind you you know and that's a good thing but yeah that's really that that's really the the gist of all that sort of stuff is it's important to manage people's expectations otherwise it goes off the rails Really, really quickly, unfortunately, because um, there's a lot of... Well,
1: that's a t- that's a top thing I have to remember. Man, well, because yeah.
0: there's a lot of people out there that are writers. This might not yeah. be... A, 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 they might not be fully committed, or, or they, they might not have been doing yeah. this long enough, or they might be so insecure about themselves that they're expecting more from you than you can provide, you know? And like mm. I tell people on the show, like I tell people in the in the magazine I have, or even when I've taken some assignments like that every so often, is you still have to be the writer. This still has to be your story. This has to be your vision. You still have to be committed. Yeah. Yeah. This is just the beginning of a long journey, which is not so easy, of uh, getting a query letter written, finding an agent or finding a publisher, you know, uh, go and figuring out ways to market the book and telling people about it, all those other things you now have to be involved in. So if this is going to irk you, or if this is going to make you squeamish, this is probably not something for you anyway, because writing the book and finishing the book is not the end of your journey. It's really only the beginning. And that's the horrible truth of it. Well,
1: I was wondering, yeah. so, um, one of the drawbacks I'm finding, well, drawback simply because I don't know about it yet, but um, how do you market your things? I mean, I don't know the internet is out there, but where on the internet do you, like, where I need more uh, more people to know about Perspectives Magazine, Halcyon Days, and
0: well, there's a, I don't there's know a, so
1: far how to market There's a
0: lot of ways to do that. It's just they all are, tend to be pretty time-consuming. Um,
1: okay.
0: What some people do, and this is just one of many, is they mm-hmm. make sure that they modify the address on their email that they send out that always has a link to their work or anything else that they're doing that's important. So it's always with a person. They can't say, hey, I don't remember seeing that. It, the link's right there. That's the, what's the first way to market yourself is make sure your signature on your email is modified to have the hyperlink on it. That's real important. Uh, another thing is that some people, they, they've created a newsletter. Nothing sophisticated, but something plain and basic that kind of gives information on things that's going on. And they can have people sign up for that, that newsletter for free sometimes they even give a gift now and then on people sign up hey I gave you this okay. that's another way to, to get the word out and some to, to market it of course uh another way is also to make sure that the the URL which is the address of your let's say mm-hmm. let's say you have this an online version of it or or someplace where your book or whatever is going to be at you want to make sure that that's been submitted to all the various search engines out there. So within 30 days, more of the Internet is now picking that up. They pick up your name. They pick up the name of the magazine, stuff that's going on, because that helps. It helps bring in people from other parts of the Internet to go stop by and see what's going on. They might want to submit. They might want to buy something. They might want to have a question. They wouldn't have known that before until the, the Internet is, has given them that. So you have to make sure that that's out there. You can't just put something on the internet and then no one knows about it because there's so many things I know you have to you have to be able to help them do that and that that's one of the ways to do that of course another way is also to to participate in various interviews with 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 magazines uh, they have a written interview I know a couple of them that do that that helps because the link for that interview you can now put on your right. on your email you can put it in your newsletter you can put it in the and the magazine you have on the Internet, you could send it out to people. You could even put it on Facebook. Hey, check out my interview, blah, blah, blah. Uh, of course, shows like this, whether it's a radio or a podcast, are always uh, always very helpful to, to get the word out about what you're trying to do. Right. These, are, these are some of the ways uh, uh, of getting it out there. And unfortunately, because the Internet and Facebook is an ever-changing, moving thing, it means you have to often stay on top of it on a regular basis, I mean, at least every couple of days, so marketing uh, especially yeah. on a literary basis it's it's quite time consuming and, and, and it can really drag on to people you know and it's usually the number one question that people ask about I'm, I'm always amazed that people ask more about marketing than they ask about writing or how well, to be better or what to do or just, they're more worried about marketing but and you I you mean
1: could, it's okay that i got all these all these publications but now okay i need people to fill those p- right. publications that's why I got rid of uh, uh, let's see three magazines because <laughs> I'd have two or three come in well I can't do a publication on two or three yeah and it, there wasn't enough interest I know interest is out there but that's the that's the thing okay I gotta market this better or more people have to know about this. This is the. thing.
0: So what a lot of people do, and what might not be bad for you to do, is figure out how to create a newsletter, something that you can send out, okay. send out for free advertise the newsletter okay. on your on your particular site uh, about what you have even if it's your personal site. Hey, I got this newsletter. This newsletter will tell you about a couple of publications I put together and their links and what's going on. And then just have those people, uh. have those people sign up with their free email address saying they yeah. want that newsletter. You can start building up people that way because it's free. It'll let people know what's going on and and they can go from there. A lot of times people will spread that. I found more times than not particularly with this podcast is that you have to literally do the most basic, commonsensical thing because it doesn't occur to people. It never occurs to people. I don't know why, but it doesn't occur to people that <laughs> they have now signed on to listen to your show as a listener. And they like their show. They even send a comment in, but it never occurs to them that maybe they should tell their friends about it. So you literally you have to tell somebody, hey, thank you for joining on it. <laughs> By the way, why don't you just remind people about this? Oh. Many times we get new listeners just from an interview because what will happen is the person will tell all their friends and, and, and artistic people, and whatever, and whatever publication that they have an the interview. And then those people will come and listen to the show. Not only does it give me no more downloads, but sometimes those people will listen to other shows and they start getting becoming part of our own family here. They start liking what we're doing and, you know, etc. So that's when, when we get it out. But uh, literally I have to ask people yeah. on a regular basis directly. Hey, don't forget to remind other people about the show. You know, they don't have to sign up for anything, even if it's free. They could just listen to it once in a while, pick whatever they want. But that still provides a lot of downloads that way. And downloads is the key to, you know, keeping the show up and and running, you know, on the network is you want to have a a number of people listening to it at any any given time. Of course, I have such a large catalog right now that I continue to put out the various um, links of the shows on the Internet. So that guarantees you're going to always have more and more people checking out stuff. It almost becomes like an automated basis now. When you're starting a podcast off and you only have four or five episodes, it's much much harder to get that kind of traffic. Yeah. But, you know, I'm going on 300 here soon, so it's far different. You have a huge catalog to deal with, many subjects, many people, and et cetera. So you're going to get people from all over the place that are going to want to check it out. You know, even if a couple people check it out a day, you'd be surprised on how many... Hits, yeah. hits and downloads that that actually adds up to but that's yes. that's pretty much what you do with the newsletter you, you get people to sign up for it and ask them to remind their friends to go check it out as well and that okay. that usually helps it's a it's a free marketing device you know sometimes uh, i know some people who have newsletters they actually have little built-in contacts with it hey this month i'm going to draw out from everybody who signed up on this and i'm going to go give them a you know, a bookmark, and uh, if you win, you just give me your address, yeah. or I'm going to give you a pen, or, you know, I'm going to give you one of uh, our free uh, books that we uh, we published uh, so you can have it, you know, I'll have the writer sign it, or if it's mine, uh, mine I'll sign it, something like that, so people like that, oh, well, I'm getting a little something out of this, this is kind of cool, I like that, appreciate it, I like what you guys are doing, you know, et cetera. so that's usually a good way of doing that.
1: Well, giveaways are certainly incentives. Yeah, they
0: don't have to be expensive. It's something that shows that you know you, you <laughs> yeah. care about the the person. Now, do you want to mention uh um your um the address, anything you might have on the internet, or uh, your publishing company, or, or your personal site, or anything like that? It's a good time to do that.
1: All right, then. Uh. <laughs> okay, okay. Halcyon Days Healthy. magazine blogspot.com that's one of them
0: okay great I like that name by the way I didn't mention that before but I'm like I like that Halcyon Days it's a pretty cool name
1: Halcyon Days days and moments of peace and tranquility just little snapshots of your day that that made you go ah oh, yes
0: and that might oh, and That, yes. that, that <laughs> might be the best, the best tool to create a newsletter, because if you are running, let's say two or three or four or whatever magazines, they might all have, <laughs> they more, might all have a different expression or a different tone. And that's what you can mention that. They uh, do, now you yeah. can mention, hey, this one more positive, uplifting than this one is more emotional contact and, you know, I'm, I'm feeling you. OK. And then the other one is like yeah. about nature and, you know, Pluto and everything. So but it, it might be a good way to differentiate them and give people <laughs> a menu. So they're not going to a restaurant. It only it only serves hamburgers and that's it. No, we got hot dogs. We got steak sandwiches and we got some shrimp over here too. You know, so you can give them a menu of choices. You know, that might they might feel like, oh, I got more than that's happening over here. I can check out more stuff, or or they might say, you know, I got a friend that doesn't like your two magazines, they're not into that. But this one, they would be loving it. I'm going to go send this over to them. So by giving them choices for themselves, they could be giving choices to friends and, and referrals as well. So it's something to think about.
1: I love that, a word restaurant.
0: That's how I, That's how I look at it anyway. You know? That's great. But sometimes you, you have to know you have to know your surroundings. I mean, I, to, to say something to you here that's a little embarrassing, but this happened one time, I went to a place that only served chicken, right? And I, I, and I ordered a hamburger, and the girl looked at me like I was just messing with her. And I'm like, is everything okay? She goes, we only serve chicken. I'm like, oh, my God. I didn't even realize I walked into this place that only served chicken. Just shows you how stupid I was. But that's what we do sometimes in life. And sometimes we do that in the literary world, too. It's that we wind up going to someplace that we didn't do the research. Now what would be my research in that situation? Yeah. I don't know. Look it up my head and look at the sign. It says they only got chicken. That would be my research which I didn't do. <laughs> so I walked in there like a dummy and got treated like a dummy. So it's a good lesson for us but that's, that's what I mean by menu. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: I want to say something about what happened to me this week. Is, and uh, Parting Two words of advice. No, not two words, but anyways. Um, the first thing is I was trying to, trying to clean up my place. And all of a sudden, I find, find these binders. I'm going, what is all this? I'm telling you, writers, when you write something, put it away. And leave it there. Make sure you can find it one day. I couldn't get over how many pieces of writing I had done. In my mind, I'm going, um, yeah, I wrote a few pieces. I got a whole binder that I totally forgot I had written. And they're all drafts. That's okay. But... My advice to you writers: when you write things, make a copy or whatever, and put it away. You'll be glad you did when you when you find find them one day. What what a trip that was! And this is good stuff. I read over them. I'm going. This is good stuff. Why is it sitting over here? Now I got a now I got a piece for someone to contribute to. That was that was amazing. Another, another thing. Please, please, please do not be afraid of mistakes. Do not be afraid of writing a, quote, crappy draft. I mean, I read a quote the other day, and this totally fits it. It said, mistakes are proof that you're trying
0: they they are I, i'm I'm afraid I'm, I'm afraid that too many writers out there damage themselves. There's so many people that never get the chance to be a writer in the end because they self-sabotage themselves, and they do that because they get too stuck on the whole celebrity culture uh, of this country and, and and many others where they purposely don't look further. Then the message that's being sold. This guy won the World Series. This guy is the greatest of this, and this guy and this great, and this girl did this, this many titles, and they they're not told by the media because it's not the media's job to do that. But it's their job to find out. Okay, I see the successes of this person, but how did they get there? Well, guess what, folks. When you finally ask that question, how did they get there? You're gonna find that they got there through hard work. Oh, and it got man. there through enormous amounts of failure. One of the most startling things oh. that I ever heard of in my life was when Michael Jordan said, because he was even annoyed by it. He goes, I appreciate the media, you know, whipping up people about all my successes. But if you look at my statistics, if I didn't have those successes, I'd be one of the worst basketball players that ever lived on earth because he had so many times where he'd lost games he lost points, he fell down and got injured, he lost tournaments, he lost the, 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 the very awards uh, they're talking about, so he remembers that more distinctly than even sometimes his successes because so much of that was necessary for him to get to those successes, so the first draft is, is going to be crappy, it's supposed to be, and yeah, you can, you might you <laughs> might even say it's a bit of a failure, but is it? Or is it just simply a launching point to the next thing that you want to get done? The second draft or the third draft or the final piece? Because that's what's happening.
1: Launching. Exactly. Yes, for, launch.
0: for every For every, for every <laughs> basketball shot that Michael Jordan missed, you know, he, he had so many other things that he was able to, to score on, which means that he understood that if he didn't give up, he would improve and eventually do well. I mean, it's 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 almost the mirror thing with Babe Ruth, who's not alive anymore. But you you'll find out mm-hmm. that Babe Ruth was one of the greatest home run hitters in baseball, American baseball. You'll also find out that Babe Ruth had the most strikeouts of any player in the history of mankind. To this day, people have not struck out as much as he did? What we don't remember that we only remember all these wonderful home runs. But when all the times that he, he he struck out, he did so much of that. He was actually. If he didn't have those home runs, he'd be one of the worst horrible players that ever lived. So that has to tell you something about every one of those strikeouts was his draft. as his, oh, I got to try to get better. Oh, I need to try to do this. Oh, I need to try to do that. Until he finally got to that. I mean, uh, Thomas Edison's another another case of this. This is a guy that said he creates a light bulb after over 1,000 failures. Where it burnt, yeah, where it burnt his hand, where it blew up in his face, where it didn't work, <laughs> where it, it it broke. I mean, there's so many things that happened. He said ideas I thought were great were dumb. So I mean, he he said don't forget about all that. He goes, you, you think I'm a genius, and I'm telling you, all I am is a failure that finally succeeded. That's what he said. Think about those words. They're deep.
1: Oh, that is gold. Oh, that's gold.
0: (laughs) But those are not those hallmark rooty root things that make everybody feel happy. That's the deep truth about how people become successful because they hard work. They stay committed. uh, They're consistent at it. They try to learn from the failures, try to get something from that failure more than just a negative response from it, but something that maybe there's a lesson in there. Not all failures are going to have lessons, but some will. And just continue with it. So... If people can do that, they're gonna do well, but we don't live in an age where people want to do that sort of thing. they They think they're going to graduate college and they're gonna be a CEO tomorrow, or they they think they're gonna they're gonna go to the junior the junior baseball league and they're gonna be Bay Roof next year, and the, the majors are gonna pick them up. I mean, there's people in the, there's people in these minor leagues, it, it, it could be five years later before a major calls them up. And guess what? After that five years and you get called up, you got maybe a couple of weeks. If you don't show them your stuff, you're going right back to the miners. So
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a, it's a, it's a, a real, a real, a real journey and a real, uh, a real, uh, uh working and, and progress. And people have to want it, want it so much that they're willing to do all of this. And, you know, like anything, whether it's a singer and actor or a plumber, yeah. if you don't want it enough, you're not going to be good. And I think really, I, I find, um, for a, a lot of writers that I come across is they have the talent, but they don't really have the work ethic. And that in the end means that they're, they're not going to make it because they're not going to send a book out there and willy-nilly if someone's going to pick it up, they're going to be a star. It, it doesn't work that way anymore. Those days have been over for like 50 years. If you're not networking, if you're not working at it hard, if you're not trying to improve it, you're not taking what these people say seriously when they reject you nothing's going to happen for you anyway, no matter how talented you are. talent. There's plenty of people that are talented out there. That's, that's, the, the, the publishers are not lacking talent. They're just lacking on things that they could sell. Well, oh, there you go. All right, yep. folks, I want to wrap this up here and thank Monique <laughs> Berry for being on. I'm really, really happy being on. Hopefully we'll have you on again. It's great to have somebody that has so much uh, depth of experience as an editor, as a, as a writer, you know, as a, as a person out there, creative that 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 have to, to have to do these things. You remember, not to try to you know make myself grand over here, but editors can be useful instruments in in your writing career if you allow them to be so. You know, I know some of them just don't want the job. I got that, but there are others that do, and you want to take any kind of comment you get from somebody. Even if it's, it might seem negative, take it and use it because if you get anything from anybody these days, it means that they care. I've gotten, I've gotten some negative rejection letters from agents, but they had some information that I could use. Things they said, hey, I think you can improve on this and that. Wow, thanks. Appreciate that, you know, versus the form letter. So you want to be able to, to use that because they can help you. They can be a, a, a guiding force for you if, you if you allow that, but you can't stop if this is something you really want to do.
1: Well, I really am. I'm an editor and a publisher who really cares about, I'm going to say, my writers. I really care. So.
0: And I, I really appreciate that. I wish we had more people that are out there like that. And I love to tell the audience there's lots of lots of Moniques out there, but there's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> I wish, no. but there's not. No. But uh, whenever I find one, I, I try to bring them on the show whenever I can, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a few already. And hopefully we'll have a few more coming next year. All right, folks, this is Strength to be Human. That was uh, Monique Berry out of Canada, editor, writer, and, and all-around wonderful gal here, giving us a lot of uh, useful <laughs> useful w- wisdom about what, what's necessary for us to say the course in, in, in writing, especially in the, in the 21st century. Uh, I, I don't know what it is, but it seems like it's easier for us to go to the moon than for us to write a good poem. So we might we might want to consider that, okay? All right, folks, God bless and take care. and thank you. And thank you, Monique.:
1: Thank you so much. Got it. bye
0: Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.